If you will, turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Last week we looked at verses 11 and 12. This week we'll look at verses 13 and 14. And I got a special for you this morning uh, here in just a, a minute that uh, ties in, I thought, perfectly with what we're doing. And the Lord had kind of laid it on my heart. And so, uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Let me read verses 11 through 14 again for us, and then we'll pick up in 13 and kind of unpack those, uh, those verses and see what the Lord has for us today. If you could all stand to your feet for the reading and the hearing of God's word. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. So last week we talked about the implications and the realities of verse 11, verses 11 and 12. And we talked about how the reality is that Christ has already come. Even to this audience, Christ had already come, not speaking of the second coming, but speaking of his coming into humanity, the incarnation, that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah that uh, Israel was looking for, that the Jewish people had been told about and had been foreshadowed and pointed to for so many years that he had come the messiah had come and he had done the good work that he had done the work of redemption he had atoned for the sins of the people he had atoned for the breaking of the old covenant in which god said if you obey my commands and if you walk in my ways i will be your god and you will be my people but they had all failed to obey him and to walk in his ways and therefore they did not enter in through keeping that old covenant. Now, to be sure, there was grace in the old covenant era, and there was salvation there. But all salvation from beginning to end has all come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as those of the old covenant looked forward to the work that Jesus Christ would do, in their faith, not the keeping of the old covenant law, in their faith, it would be credited to them as righteousness but we see that the author tells us that but Christ has appeared and since he has a, uh, appeared and when he appeared uh, as the high priest of the good things that have come already and that was the major point last week is that we as new covenant believers and even this audience as new covenant believers we have the opportunity and the reality we live in the place and in the time where we can say the Messiah Christ has come he has appeared and he is the high priest of the good things which he brought with him they have come too, and we can take advantage of those through Jesus Christ it goes on to say who entered in through the more perfect tent that is not the tent made with human hands not the shadow not the type 
not the example, but through the true tent that Jesus Christ went into the actual heavenly places to offer his gift. And that gift satisfies, truly satisfies the need and the desire and the, um, the absolute necessity of perfection and righteousness and holiness that is required in order to have relationship with God. He satisfies that, that need. He satisfies that requirement. And in so doing, he makes a way for those who believe in him to come before God unhindered and in no need of a, of a human mediator. No need of any priest or no need of any teacher. No need of anyone except the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one mediator between God and man. The beauty is, is that Jesus Christ has sufficiently fulfilled all the requirements to come to God, and he freely offers those to anyone who would believe. And apart from receiving this free gift that is freely given of grace, we stand in opposition to a holy God, having not been able to fulfill the requirements that are there, having not been able to cleanse ourselves, not being able to go into his presence. We make ourselves out enemies of God, but through Christ we can come in. And it's not just that we can come in for a little while until we mess up again and then we're kicked out. He's not shifty like that. He's not shaky like that. But no, he has secured our eternal redemption for all eternity. He has entered in once for all times into that heavenly place, into the throne room of grace where God is, where he existed before he came to the earth. And he has taken with him the atoning payment. He entered in by his own blood. And he has went there once for all. That's where he is. We don't call him back down. We don't cause him to be sacrificed again. There is no turning back. There is no shiftiness. There is no question about this security. There is no question about whether or not he can sufficiently save. And he secures for us an eternal redemption as well. So that we can be sure in Jesus Christ. If we have come to a saving faith in Christ. And this is what I want you to hear before we get in. We have, if we have come to a saving faith in Christ, if we have confessed Him as Lord and Savior, and we have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God has raised Him from the dead, He, has, he is the Messiah that has come. He is the Messiah that has fulfilled all requirements to be in relationship with God. He was killed, murdered, put to death for our sins. But then he resurrected from the grave, proving and vindicating him as the son of the living God. God, having come in the flesh, death, sin, hell, and Satan, having no power over him, he resurrected, conquering death. But that's not all. But he ascended back into the heavenlies in order to provide a just way and a perfect way and a heavenly way for us also through his sacrifice to enter into the heavenly places with him as well. He sent the Holy Spirit to apply that redemptive work to our lives. In essence, washing our sins away and imparting Jesus Christ's righteousness to us. That's how we, who are sinners, can stand before a perfect God and be able to say, I am redeemed. 
Right? That song's beautiful. Why? Because Jesus does that to us. He redeems us. He draws us up out of the pit, and he grants to us his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that crazy? And that doesn't mean that we're all of a sudden perfect. We still struggle, don't we? We still have sin in our life. We, but we are granted and imparted his righteousness and declared righteous before God. And he was declared sinful. He who knew no sin became sin. And so that's a beautiful thing. But now we have Jesus Christ who is God, having come and paid for our sins, ascended back into heaven, sending the Holy Spirit to make us and cause us to be uh, to be righteous, to be covered in his righteousness, he now continually sits in the throne of, room of grace on the throne as the king, and he cannot be moved. And therefore, our salvation, our redemption is sure. He holds us. It cannot be undone. And so when you get beat down and weary, old traveler of this earth, when you get tired and when you get run over and when you get beat down and when you get to, to struggling with your own mind, when you are coming at yourself and you're, you're trying to beat yourself up and you are, you are hammering yourself that you are not good enough, you are not good enough, we say with our spirits unto the Lord, yes, we are not good enough, but praise be to God, He is. And he is there holding us, and he will not let us go. And the last thing I'll say before I uh, bring this special to you that I'm looking forward to is this. You see, the security of the believer, it doesn't hinge on how good you are or how well you maintain your faith. The security of the believer hinges upon the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and how strong he is in his service to God. Amen. The Bible tells us this. Jesus himself, in his own words, he says, All that the Father has given to me, they will come to me. And I will not lose not even one of them. But I will raise them up on the last day. I will fulfill the will of my Father. You see, if Jesus Christ loses one, then he would have failed to do the will of the Father. So you rest easy in that, knowing that that anchor holds. It will never diminish. It cannot fail. And when you feel weak and you feel frail, you know that though, though you are nothing, that you are in no way able to save yourself. Jesus Christ is in no way able to fail to save those who have trusted him. Amen. Amen. All right, Hambone's going to come. And uh, I just thought this was the perfect text for uh, this, one of my favorite songs that Hambone does. Uh, you're going to get down there up here. And uh, I can't wait. If you've heard him sing this one before, You'll know how well it fits uh, with this text.
Just know that he wants to be there with you along for the ride. And I challenge you to take hold of his hand to help us. We don't know what the future holds. But it's with great assurance that we know that it's Jesus Christ who holds that future. Crank it up. Lord, I pray right now, God, for technology, I pray. God, for the words of this song, God, I pray that they'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, the message you have to go along with the message you've given Brandon to bring to us today. Well, praise the Lord. When we were over at Fairview Baptist Church, we had a little lady down front, Sister Rains. And uh, it'd be a time when we were given to, to just praise the Lord. And uh, uh, if anybody had a testimony, she'd raise that little hand up. And she'd say, I just want to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I hope today that, uh, that you're ready to praise the Lord. We've already been praising the Lord. Thank God for our worship team, our worship bands. And, uh, we are a blessed people. We're a blessed church. And for those of you that are visiting with us today, welcome. I know some of you all the way from California, so uh, don't expect to get to see you every Sunday. But uh, those of you who live a little bit closer, like Jim and Renee down in Inman, met you this morning, welcome. We're glad you're here, and we hope we'll treat you. So many different ways you bound a lot, one or two of them, and you made it. Come on back. I would start into my testimony, but I guess the music's going to cut right quick if I did. But I do love my Jesus, and I hope you do too. We thank him today for what he's done for what he's doing and even for what he's going to do in us and through us. It's his ministry through us. It doesn't matter if you're on staff or if you're a layperson. Uh, we're all to be about our father's business. As Brandon said earlier, we, we do serve a good, good God. I doubt that. This is a hard one to sing with the music, much less without. You know? I hear you, brother. But I know uh, in recent uh, months, going through some of the health issues that I've been battling, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. But I just say that I'm going to just try to love him and serve him and finish strong as long as he lets me. I honestly don't know. I just go through him. 
one out, and when it's good, I go. I'm sorry, I just, I was left alone with Crane. journey through the long dark nights out on the open sea by faith alone Watching me The anchor hold Though the ship is battered The anchor hold Though the sails are torn I have 
God is good, amen? Give it up one more time for Bone. And I'll tell you, give it up for Matt. I'm like, does he know that song? Matt's like, I don't need to know it. Let's jump into the text, and we're only doing two verses this morning, so it should be really quick. <laughs> no, it was a joke. <laughs> All right, Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, did, already did the uh, introduction. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. And uh, beautiful verses, just uh, magnificent. And I want to, again, uh, point to some very practical stuff, which I think that we uh, are in desperate need of in, in our times and in, you know, where we are right now, even in our church. So we have talked about this eternal redemption being secured by Jesus Christ. And that's beautiful teaching. That's beautiful truth. It's beautiful biblical truth that should impact us, right? You know, we're thinking about Christ. We're thinking about sin and uh, the, uh, the effects of sin, how it separates us from God. It tears down our families, you know, believer or unbeliever. It doesn't take a lot of common sense to know that when we step outside of what is right and good and 
um, uplifting and, and um, constructive, then things start to decay. Things start to decline. Things start to break down. And I would submit that the way that God created everything in the beginning and the way that he had called uh, our first parents to live in his way of life, to live with him as their source and their identity and their meaning and to look to him alone and to obey him and to walk in his ways and that it would go well with them was the ideal situation. But obviously, sin came into the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, and, and now we have to deal with those consequences. We have to deal with the fact that we're born with a sin nature. And so there's God's way, and then there's our way. And God's way is the proper way. And, and, I, and I think a lot of people think of Scripture and Christianity, and they think of God as a dictator in the sky who is power-hungry, demanding that you live this way. And I, 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 it makes me so sad. It just breaks my heart. And, and I often find myself combating that idea if I'm speaking to someone who is not a believer or has a problem with Christianity uh, and uh, has a combative spirit against Christ or God. And, uh, you know, that's just fairy tale. It's just a, it's just a method of control or the, of the people. And, and even, if, even if that is true, if, if that's who God is, I don't want to have any part of that. He's, he's just an angry God in the sky demanding that people do this or that. And it's, and it's sad, but it makes sense that that's how the world would view it. Because in our sin and in our corrupt nature, we, we think that we are the center of the universe, right? And we see that very, very, very plainly in our culture right now, but it's always been that way. We want to do what we want to do. We want to do what feels good to us, and it doesn't matter what anybody else wants. And we uh, hate in our, in our flesh, in our natural state, we hate the idea that we would be under the authority of someone else, much less the authority of God with the idea coming alongside of that and, and being tied to that is that God is not just someone who's managing you, but that he created you. He is the one that gave you purpose. He has made you in a certain way, and he has complete and absolute authority over you. That's a hard truth to swallow when we think we're God. So part of salvation is the death of the flesh, and we've talked about that a good bit. It's the death of the flesh. It is the destruction of the sinful spirit nature that is corrupted and cut off from God, that demands and that assumes that it is God and nobody can judge me nobody can uh, exert authority over me nobody can tell me what to do nobody has that and anybody who tries to exert any type of authority over me they'll find out and they must be evil and corrupt but the reason I point to all of this and I touch on this and I started to speak in this way is because it is God who has called us to live according to his word for his glory, first and foremost, yes, but for our benefit as well. It's for our benefit. It is for us to be 
able to be all that God has called us to be. And the bottom line is, is that what the secular individual, what those who don't believe in God and who spurn the idea that God is the one who deserves all praise, honor, and glory and submission, that, that they think it's crazy that we, would, that we would call people and that we would look and say, Jesus is my master. I, and I desire and long to be his slave, to be his servant, to be his, that he might do whatever he likes with me. Lord Jesus, here am I. Do whatever you will. But that's in, that is unfathomable to those who do not know God. It is insanity. But what we realize, what we have come to realize through the gospel and through the Spirit opening our eyes to the truth is that being in submission, being the slave of righteousness and the slave of Christ and being His, that He is our Lord, He is our Master, is the only place that true freedom exists. It's the upside-down kingdom. And Paul tells us very plainly that, that, that the things of the Spirit, they can't be understood by those of the flesh because the things of the Spirit are not discernible by the flesh. But it is those who are of the Spirit that can hear the voice of God and see these things and, and be able to comprehend to any degree just who Christ is and what he has done and what it means to follow him. In this text we see, the reason I said all of that was, in this text we're going to see how practically, physically submitting yourself to God, how it benefits you in the physical realm. How it benefits you in the physical realm. You see, we oftentimes think of Christianity and the things of God as a spiritual oddity that happens out there in some mystic realm that, that it does something, yes, but it does something out there for a time that is out there or over there or a time that is then and not now. And we've talked about that a lot, and I think you have started to see that, those of you who didn't see it already before, is that we don't, we don't come into the, into the relationship with Christ and then think, oh, I can't wait till I get to enjoy Christ one day. No, we come into relationship with Christ, and we are washed clean now. And we are redeemed now. We are given purpose now. We, we have come to know him now. We have come to taste of him now. We are partaking of him now. And that interaction and that relationship and that redemption and that holiness that comes through Christ, not that we have a righteousness of our own, but the righteousness that is in Christ, it has an immediate now impact on our lives. It starts to change who we are. It starts to change how we do what we do. It starts to change how we we interact with people. It takes us out of the realm of thinking that we are God and everybody exists to serve us and make our desires come true to taking us to be more like Christ who did not come to be served but came to serve. 
and that he would do this work in us and that fruit would start to appear and we would bless the people around us and that we would love the people around us and yes we would struggle sometimes and we would fail but that we would repent and he would grant repentance and that he would teach us and lead us and and he would cause us to grow in our understanding of him and to grow in our relationship with him and the idea is the reality is that those who know him are to be conformed to his image more and more day by day as we grow older till the day that we take our last breath here and then we will be fully realized as we are adopted into the family of God in our full adoptions as sons and be relieved from the presence of sin all together oh happy day right when we don't have to worry about this no more you know but the serving of God is not just some spiritual reality out there it is a it is a reality right now and we can plainly see what happens when we step outside of doing life outside of what God has revealed to us or how God has revealed to us we are to live in this life. Let's read the text once again in 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ? And, I, and I'll get back to that in a second. One thing I want to point out here is that the Old Covenant, we've talked a lot about it. The Old Covenant was a ritualistic system. It was a religious system. It was a regulatory system that was given to Israel, that was placed over Israel, that would guard them, that would keep them, that would give them a rubric on how they should live life. Why? Because the Spirit of God wasn't given in the internal man yet to guide them from the inside out. And this is why also they had to have priests. This is why they also had to have all of these different pieces of furniture in the tabernacle and in the tent and in the temple when it comes to This is why they needed all of that because God did not live on the inside of those who were before the coming of Christ and the ascension and the, uh, the subsequent sending of the Holy Spirit. You see, you live in an era, you live in a time, and you see things and you know things on which angels long to look. And the prophets long to see what you have, and I am so afraid, myself included, that we walk through this life, and we speak of Christ, and we live this life, and we read the Bible, and we think it is just something that is, ah, that's, that's okay. It's, you know, oh yeah, I know I need to do that. But we fail to realize the breadth and the depth and the, and the amazing reality that is in these pages here. But not contained to these pages. This is merely a book. This book is a living and active word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce down through the, the bones and the mouth, all the way down through everything, piercing all the way down to the heart, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book right here is more than a book. This book is the word of the living God that pierces us down deep and reveals things about us that we don't like. But that is necessary that we might be transformed and made whole. 
And if you spend time there, if you read, if you do what God has called you to do, then it has actual physical changes that will manifest in your person, in who you are. It will change how you view life. And I would submit to you that it will even change your health. Oh, no. Pastor done jumped on the health wealth wagon. No, but let me explain very practically. Did you know that stress is one of the number one killers in America, in the world? Man, I tell you, you want your mind blown? Go and read the research and the studies that have been done on the impact of stress and worry to a human being. Am I stressing you out, bro? As, as far as I have read, and I am by no means an expert, so I will not start quoting numbers. I will just, I will just tell you, just go and do some reading is that it blew me away as I started to read and as I started to see some of the things that they've found that stress is the most common factor in a, in a variety of deadly physical illnesses, ailments, and diseases. I'm talking heart disease. I'm talking diseases of the mind that start to deteriorate the mind. I'm talking about physical joint pain. That one really was like, what? Did you know that according to several studies, that when you are stressed out, that your body releases chemicals. And these chemicals, they go into your joints and into your body, and they make you hurt. They hurt your body. Your body will hurt. You will swell up. <laughs> you will. It's, it's so hard on the body. You say, why are you telling us this? Because... I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this for a moment. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your, what, you're, what you're going to eat. Ladies, don't worry about what you're going to wear. The birds of the air neither toil or, you know, but God, he takes care of the birds of the air, right? The lilies, you know, they're not, they're not worried about it. But man, look how, look at them jeans they rocking, you know? God did that. And, and when you read this and you read about how God takes care of his people and he sustains them and he's a good God, not longing, not wanting anyone to be destroyed, but he's patient and he's slow and he's kind and he's merciful, slow to anger, quick to forgive. And he stands all day long with his arms outstretched. When you hear of this God and you hear that this God has become a man and made a way, made a way where you could meet the requirements that God Almighty has, who he should have. That he's met those requirements and, and said, come home, believe in me, you come home, get over here, I love you. And I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for your every need, I've got you. That that in and of itself, we go like, I don't know, I don't know. And our neck is sore and our arms are sore. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we hear that and we go, oh, whew, thanks. Thanks, Jesus. I was really worried about that. And our body just goes, oh. Everybody just do that with me. Get your arms up like this, arms up like this, okay? And we're all at one time, all the time, we're going to go, one, two, three. <sighs> you know, I know many of you, you want that in your soul, don't you? I know you do. 
I know some of you now, I want you to do like this. Come on, everybody. No, come on, everybody. We're, hey, we're in this together. Do this. I need to see these two things, whatever these are right here. Do like this. Uh, uh, uh. Come on, everybody, everybody. All right, which one's more comfortable? Which one of those was, was more enjoyable? Right? That's what we want. That's what we need, isn't it? You know, even those of us who were going back and forth, even those of you, even the ones that, you know, you can talk to the most staunch atheist, the most, the most, uh, uh, oh my goodness, just hates God. You can talk to them and you can say, let's just not, you know, let's, let's not talk about that for a second. Let me just talk to you about, you know, everybody, doesn't matter. Everybody at their deepest parts know they want, oh. How many of you have ever been, and I don't, I don't know why I do this. I didn't even realize I did this for the longest time, but my, my lower back hurts a lot of the times. And I think it's from football and tree work when I was younger. And I didn't have bobcats, so I was the bobcat. <laughs> and sometimes I'll, I'll be working all day long, and I'll, like, bend over. My back will hurt like it's doing it right now. And, like, I don't re- like you don't realize it. Go home t- later today and, and do this. You bend over, and you're, you know, if you got some tightness somewhere, and try with your mind to focus on intentionally releasing that muscle so that you can stretch it all the way out. Because what I found is, is that, and I did a little bit on, because I thought all this was fascinating, so I started reading, is that we don't realize it, but very often we're walking around and we're tensed up. We're tightening the muscle in our lower back. And some of that's just so you can walk around. I guess if I loosened up all my muscles right now, I'd just be like. <laughs> but I did, sometimes I don't even realize I'll, I'll bend over and my back will be hurting. And be like, in my mind, I can release it. It's like, oh, and that feels better. Well, I think this is, that's part of how that works. Part of the reason that stress is so hard on us is it because it causes us to stay tensed all the time. And we're working our bodies and we don't even know it. We're working our hearts. You know, how many of you get worried sometimes and your heart's about, <laughs> you know, and, and you're working that heart, you're working those organs, you're working those muscles and it's wearing you out. But I want to show you this here is that even in the old covenant, that the things that they did had physical blessings, purification of the flesh, as this text tells it, you know, they, he was like, don't eat pork. He's like, who are you to tell me that I can't eat pork? And then God's like, look. They're nasty. You're going to get sick. You know? They didn't have what we have. They didn't have all of the purification uh, uh, instruments and the purification. They didn't have all of that then. Right? Yes, it was to demonstrate the uncleanliness of sin. But it had a very practical application too. That it would protect them from diseases oftentimes. We don't have that anymore. As a matter of fact, uh, I love pork. (laughs) You know, I don't like bacon so much. Don't throw a rock at me. I told you from day one I would be transparent with my sin. I like bacon if it's super floppy. Who in here likes crispy bacon? The altar is open. Who in here likes floppy bacon? That's my people. Let my people go. Ham's all right. 
I like pork chops. Hey, Fallon, Fallon, you're not old enough to talk in the sanctuary yet. <laughs> My whole point is, is that, and it's not just that. If you were to read it through a medical eye, you know, I'm not a doctor, but there, there may be doctors in here. I know there's nurses in here. If you were to read it through that sense, just go back and read the Old, old Covenant regulations, just purely medically, scientifically, in that, in that, through that lens, I bet you money, I'm, I'm sure that's been done before, and I, I haven't looked at that portion of it, but I would about guarantee you that there were so many wonderful, in that culture, in that day, so many wonderful health benefits to the way that God had laid it out for them. Why am I saying this? And it's pretty close to the, to the end, is that this, is that God, even in the Old Covenant, brought forth a, a guide for his people to, yes, acknowledge him, to put their own selfish desires to death, but also to protect them. And all of this is demonstrative of what God desires, even in Christ, even in Christ. What God has called us to do, the regulations and the guidelines and the necessities that he has placed on us, yes, it is because he is God and he is sovereign and you will do what he says because that's just reality. If you don't like it, tough. <laughs> You can fight with him, but you'll lose. But it's not just that. But it's that he cares about you. He doesn't want you to go off into destruction. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. He doesn't want you to go about life having struggle and, and, and hard time. And now, will they come? Yes. Are they to the glory of God? Yes. Are we to suffer well? Yes. But at the end of the day, God has provided a way for you to make the most out of this life. And this is the way that he has called us. And this is the way that he has designed for it to live. I am telling you now that those who are securing Christ and those who believe in Christ, those who go to him daily, those who are spiritually disciplined to seek his face and to get into his word in order to have effect on them, those who rest, rest in the promises of Christ, those who are able to, through Christ, they have the most wonderful lives, even in the storms. Let me tell you the truth of the matter is this, is that everybody has stressful situations, but not everybody deals with stress in the same way. How many of you have somebody that you know, and maybe you are that person, that people get upset with you because you do not get stressed out as much as they do? How many? Yes. How aggravating is it when you're stressed out and the person beside you is in the same situation and they're just like, Jesus has got it. I hate your guts. What do you mean? Yes, I believe in Jesus and yes, he's got it. But what if he doesn't? You see, doubt and not resting in Christ is so stressful, so stressful. And I won't say any examples but I know from personal experience that those who go through a life of stress they age way beyond where they are they're or they are struggling they are so beaten uh, beyond what we can possibly imagine and it's so sad the text goes on it says for if the blood of bulls uh, for the for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh it means that that it is cleansing them. It is setting them apart. It is bringing about an actual result in real life. 
it is bringing about. That's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. And he says, if the old covenant rituals can, do, can go up to this point and have good benefits and wonderful things, then how much more the blood of Christ? So, it said, he goes on to say, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. He's saying, if, if this old covenant, which the works provided no eternal benefit, right? They, they provided no eternal benefit, meaning that you could have you done the, the old covenant rituals and obligations. You could have followed that code to the best of your ability, but it had no power to perfect the person. It had no power to redeem from sin. It had no power to bring about the cleansing of the conscience, the internal man. It, it wasn't there, but it provided some benefit. It provided outward benefit. It provided also demonstration that maybe you had faith that that faith would provide the internal benefit. But the internal benefit, the cleansing of the conscience, the setting free of the soul, the mending of the spirit that had been broken and had been, had been cut off from God by the sins of their father Adam, by the sins of our father Adam, that mending, that wholeness, that wonder, that that comfort, that peace can only come through the offering of the shed blood of God himself who has come to pay the penalty of our sin. It's beautiful. You know, how many of you have been in a place in your life where you've, you've had it going on to a certain degree at least? It, maybe it was you had it going on and you had a good job you had a nice car, you had a nice house, you had what seemed to be just everything that you could think you needed. But there was something off. There was something that was not right. That it didn't matter how much more money you got. It didn't matter how nice your car was. It didn't matter how big your house was. It didn't matter. And it might not be all those things. Maybe, it's, maybe we scaled down. How many of you were in a place where you finally stopped drinking so much? When you finally started uh, getting along with your wife and you only fought three times a week instead of seven? I'm serious. And things were looking up, but there's just still something Something out of order. There, you know, you ever been like, there's just something that's just not right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Yeah. I know what that's like. And then on the other side of that, you've come to Christ. You've, you've laid all your burdens down. And you've come to the realization that you can do everything you want to do, but you cannot control. The circumstances of life. How many of you have come to that realization? You cannot control the circumstances of life. You can influence some of the circumstances that are immediately around you. You can change yourself. You can impact those around you. But the circumstances of life in large part to, to most 
to the greatest degree, you can't control them. It is outside of your control. How many of you have come to a place, maybe now, maybe sometime before, where you have trusted Christ? And though your world was in shambles all around you, the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding has been the saving grace that you did not know what you would do without. How many of you have known that? If you're in this room today and you have not known that, I promise you with every ounce of my being that Jesus Christ is the hope of sinners. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. It says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The reality is, is that Jesus Christ is the one who puts wrong things right, who quietens our soul, who gives us that eternal peace, that, that, that exhale. That exhale of, okay, yes, everything is crazy, but I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. That's Christ. And he does that not just so that we can be okay. Why? He does that so that we can be released from dead works and uh, released from dead works into serving the living God. Now, as they start to play, I want to close this out because this right here is the bow on this whole sermon. You see, the old covenant and the pursuit. Now, listen to me. If you haven't heard anything else, I want you to get with me right here. Everybody right here, right here. The old covenant is a system. It is a way of thinking that everyone in this room has struggled with today. I, I know you think, well, you know, I've never, I've never even thought about, you know, sacrificing a goat to God. I don't know why you're on me about this. It's a way of thinking. It is a way of thinking that, that we can perform actions and duties in order to please an angry God. We, every one of us have done that. We've done that. Maybe some of us have refused to do that and, and because you think that's what religion is. So many people who are non-believers, they won't come and even consider Christ because they think that we're still under an old covenant type system. And they think that we're calling them to obey a certain set of commands and maybe if you do it good enough, God might let you in. That, that is not the message. Oh, that's not the message. No, that's opposite of the message. The message is, is that that's what he's setting you free from. And the atheist and the non-believer, though they do not know it and they do not realize it, they're refusing to come to Christ because they refuse to be submitted to a system that says, you, are, you better do what you're supposed to do or I will kill you. But the reality is, is that that's the system that they live in already and they don't even know it. It is the humanism. It is the humanistic way of thinking that says, I am a good person if I do, 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 do all these things. If I do this well enough, I'll be a good person. If I, if I am generous, if I am kind, 
if they're not just all off into the hedonistic type of thinking that says, I am God and it is all about me. And then they just have to say, I will appease me enough. And if I don't appease me, then I'm no good. You see, they live in that system. It's all about doing what you're supposed to do to please somebody. And in the atheistic worldview, in the worldview that says there is no God, that there is no Savior, that there is no need for Christ, in that worldview, you are judged, whether by yourself or by the community, on what you do and who you are. And it doesn't matter if it's good, bad, in the middle, different. It doesn't matter. That's the way it works. And we know that's the way it works. But Christianity is the answer to that. It's not that. It's the answer to that. And Jesus Christ is saying that, look, I am giving you the opportunity. I have come to fulfill all the works. I've done it all. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. Every place that you failed, that you feel bad about, every place, every person that you've let down, everything that you failed to do, every job that you've lost, or every bad grade that you got, every time you lied, every time you stole, every time you did whatever, every time you let yourself down, you have felt yourself move further and further away from, you can call it God, you can call it peace. You can call it joy. You can call it normal. You can call it whatever you want to do. We say to you today that every time you fail and you feel yourself move further away from what, what joy and passion and good is, it's because you're living in a dead works payment system. And Jesus Christ has said, I've come to do all the work. I've come to fulfill all of the requirements. I've come to be what you could not be. And I have been what you were. I have been and taken on all of your failures, all of your sin, all of your struggle, all of your questions, all of your doubt, all of your stress, all of your worry, everything that beats you down, tears you down, con it, it confuses you, it accuses you, and it just is absolutely ripping you to shreds. I came that it might rip me to shreds instead. And the one who slept in the boat that was nearly capsizing. That type of that type of faith, that type of fullness, that type of, uh, of it doesn't matter what's around me. I know who I am. The one who slept in the storm says, Peace, my peace I give to you. You give your stress to me. I give my peace to you. You know what happens when you start when you start serving the living God as opposed to continuing on in dead works? <sighs> Christianity is not a chain. It is the key. Christianity is not bondage to slavery, bondage and slavery to the desires of the flesh. No, it is freedom in being 
bonded together to Jesus Christ. Let's all stand to our feet. I tell you, if anyone among you today is overwhelmed with the troubles of life and you have been looking for the answer, behold, I give to you the answer that Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, lived, suffered, and died to pay the price of your entire life on this side and that. And that if you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior and you confess your sin, then he will come and live within. And I'm telling you right now that he will cast away and set you free from every burden that has ever destroyed you, torn you down, and absolutely mangled you on the inside. And he will give you peace. He will bring peace. He will bring joy. He will bring meaning and identity that you've never known before. And some of you are believers and you've wandered off into that as well. And we pray that he would grant repentance today and that he would restore, as David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Do not withhold your Holy Spirit from me. The altar, the front, the response, this place is open for you to respond. Where you stand up here, I'll be up here. Pray with you. Lay all of those burdens down. If you've never confessed to Christ, confess, please. He is not a wicked tax master looking to beat you down and make you obey. No, he is the, he, he is the son of the Father who has come to set you free that you might live indeed. Amen. Anyone in here desire to be saved today that has never been saved and given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Anyone desire to be released from their chains into the freedom of the Son of the living God? I open this as an opportunity to respond. We pray that the Holy Spirit would move in your heart. That he would make, that he would make you see that he would open your eyes. Okay, well, I'm praying that you're all believers. Now, believers, if that's the case, let us repent and draw near to God.